Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Just so pumped about what God is going to do today. We're in this whole topic of being joyful, knowing God's joy. And I just love that we have a God that wants us to be filled with His joy that wants us to know His goodness, that wants us to live a life we've got freedom, joy and peace. That's the kind of God that we serve. And if you're here maybe joining us online today or you're here for the first time and you would say, well, I don't really know that kind of God that would want joy for me. I just really pray today that your heart would be open to hear the amazing truth about Jesus that we know the amazing truth about our Saviour. So God, we just take this moment to lean into You. And we just pray, God, that we would hear from You in a fresh way today. God, I just ask that our eyes, the eyes of our heart would be open today to hear what You wanna speak to us. That it wouldn't be my words, but it would be Your Word, God. Father, I pray, just take off anything of us that is not of You, that is not Your truth. God, I pray that You would pierce our hearts with Your truth today and that we would experience Your freedom. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen. Thank you, team. You are incredible, amazing. One of the things that I I love to do is read about history. I did history at uni. I really love uh, history. And and this week, Craig and I were just kind of channel surfing and came across Gold Rush, a program that we like to watch just a little bit, the nerds that we are. And after watching the show, I I did a little bit of um, history research on the Gold Rush in America. And one of the stories, the amazing stories that I came across was in the state of Nevada. And they were finding a lot of gold mixed in with this blue-gray mud. And this mud was being a real pain for miners. It was just in everything. It was hard to separate the gold out of it. So a lot of miners ended up leaving that spot to go to other spots where there was more gold. And after a few months of this, they decided, you know what, well, we better check out what this gray blue mud is and find out what it's all about. And so they sent it off to be sampled. And they found when it came back that the annoying blue stuff was actually super concentrated silver. A ton of this stuff would only yield $876 in gold, but over $3,000 in silver. And it became the greatest single mineral strike in all of history. How amazing is that? That something so precious was actually found in the ordinary. But these miners almost missed it because what they thought they were looking for, what they thought was precious, was where their eyes were focused and they missed the the preciousness of what was right in front of them. And today what I want to talk about is finding joy in the ordinary finding joy in the ordinary lives that God's given us in our day-to-day because there is such joy to be found. But so often what I find is that we can look for joy with a particular lens on. We can look for joy thinking it's one thing but miss it in the ordinary because we're not looking for it the right way. Just like those miners, we have our eyes on thinking it's one thing and we miss what it actually is. 
See, often we think joy is found when life is ideal. We think joy is found when circumstances are great, when life is going exactly how we want it to go, when we have all the pleasures that we want. But God teaches us a completely different way. He teaches us that joy can be found in the ordinary because joy isn't something that is found externally. It is something that we find internally. It's something that comes alive on the inside of me. See, joy isn't about what's going on around me. It's what's going on in me. It's not about everything being right around me. It's about being made right internally. And because of that, the person that makes us right, we know who He is. It is Jesus Christ. Our joy is found in Him and Him alone. See, I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4. Verse 11 to 13, this is the message version. And this, when the Apostle Paul writes this passage, he's in prison. These prisons, historians tell us, would have been the most brutal of prisons. Not like the prisons that we have this day, absolutely freezing cold. They would have very little warmth, just chained to concrete. They would probably have sewers running through them, infested with rats. The only food that they would get was what others would bring them who loved them. It was the most horrific of circumstances. And in the middle of this circumstance, he writes this, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. How powerful is that? I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances I'm just as happy with little as with much. As li- sorry, as with much. With much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy. We're either full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. How powerful is that? The Apostle Paul is saying, it's not about what's going on around me. It's about the one that I have on the inside of me. My Jesus, he had such an intimate relationship with Jesus, that that intimacy with Jesus gave him every joy he was looking for, gave him the freedom he was looking for, the contentment he was looking for, the peace that he was looking for. And every single one of us can experience that same type of joy because of the God that we need. So often we treat joy as something that we achieve. We treat joy as this thing that we've got to attain. But joy is actually something that is known because it's found in the person of Jesus. It's something that we grow to know because of the person of Jesus. We don't achieve it through our own efforts, but it's the overflow of walking in relationship with Him. See, Philippians 1 verse 21 says, For to me, again, the Apostle Paul talking in the same circumstance, he says, For me to live is Christ. He is my source of joy my reason to live and to die is gain, for I will be with Him in eternity. See, so often people mix Christianity with religion, mix Christianity with the set of rules that we need to follow, the set of beliefs that we have. But Christianity, it just misses the point of it all. Christianity, the essence of it is found in following Jesus. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ, loving Him, knowing Him. And when we do that, He makes us right on the inside. He gives us eternal peace, eternal joy. See, the world offers us such temporary joy. 
or through ads that we watch and marketing that's slammed to us. It's all temporary joy. We're told that if we go to and have a holiday in Noosa, that we're gonna experience joy. We're told that if we buy an outfit from Zara, you'll experience joy. We're told that if we buy that home from Metricon, your family is gonna have joy. And all these things are great, but they are so temporary. They only last just such a fleeting amount of time, but Jesus offers us eternal joy that we can stand knowing that we know Him. We have His salvation. We have eternity of being with Him in heaven that nothing compares to that, nothing. It's even a glimmer like the hope that we have in our Jesus. He's everything. He gives us freedom internally that we would know as peace that no matter what we're going through, no matter what the world is throwing at us, we can know joy because we have Him walking with us, that you are never alone that you are never fighting your battles on your own. You have all of heaven fighting for you, that you have victory, that our victory is in Him, that whatever you feel like you're being defeated and your victory is in Him, that He can overcome because He's in our lives. That's the eternal joy that we can know. See, I love that Matthew 13 verse 44 to 46 says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold everything he had and brought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything that he had and brought the one of great price. Come on, that's what eternity with Jesus, our eternal joy with him feels like. Come on, can we remember when we first got saved and it was like you were looking at the world with color all of a sudden. It's like this awakening of, oh my gosh, I'm saved. I know where I'm going for eternity. My life has purpose. My life has hope. Come on, let's never get familiar with who we get to be associated with. The King of the heavens, the King of this world. Come on, we have Jesus. But the more we grow in our Christianity, often the more familiar we can get with that truth. And the more familiar we can get with, oh, yeah, I've just always known Jesus. And we can miss the wonder of who we get to walk with, of who we get to do life with. This week, uh, sorry, last week, we had the amazing uh, privilege of having my sister come over from New Zealand and her husband, Josh, and, and stay with us for a few days. And we haven't seen them in a very long time. And we're incredibly close. There's nine years between us. And so she lived with us before we moved to Melbourne for four years. And so it was this really special time. But the first day that they got there, uh, Zion hadn't seen Josh yet and so we'd gone out for lunch and then I decided, well, I'll take you to Zion's school and we'll pick him up after high school. It's his first year of high school and we'll pick him up off the back of high school. And, and so we walked into his schoolyard and he was one of the first kids that came out and he was awesome. He came out, gave Uncle Josh a big hug, welcomed us and then as we walked away, he turned to me and he said these words, Mum, can you never, ever ever do that again. <laughs> I had this realisation that, wow, we're entering that stage. 
of you don't really want to be associated with me as much as you used to. And I'm in this unique position because I have also a son that's four years old. And I go into his kindy and he's like, mom, runs up to me, biggest cuddles, biggest kisses. He turns to his friends. He's like, that's my mom. How did it change so quickly? May we never get to that point with our God where we lose the wonder of who we have in Him. Will we lose the fact that He's our Father, that He's our God, the one that walks with us. May we never lose the wonder of who we get to do life with. Because the moment we lose the wonder is the moment we lose our joy. Our joy comes from knowing Him, from walking with Him, from the hope that He gives us. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, if you wanna get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you wanna be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them, which is our Jesus. So what I wanna do today is I wanna look at how we can find joy in the ordinary. And we, the first thing is we find joy in the ordinary because joy <clears throat> is the outcome of trust. Joy is the outcome of trust. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is such joy that comes when we trust in Him. When we make that conscious decision, trust is a choice. When we make that choice, God, I'm choosing to put my trust in You. There is incredible hope, incredible joy, incredible peace that the Bible promises to us when we make that choice to trust. I remember God speaking to me so powerfully about this when Zahn was just three and a half years old and Craig was teaching him how to surf and we'd been in Bali for a month so Zahn had got very comfortable in water and he just completely trusted his dad. They had and still have such an amazing relationship with each other, just completely trusted him. So Craig would take him out into these huge sets of, of surf with Zahn on his back, duck diving under the waves and then they would catch a wave with Zahn still on his back and then go into shore and they, as they did, Craig would put them onto the front of the surfboard and they would ride the, the wave together. I've got a photo of what they used to do. How cute is that? I know, only three and a half years old. And we would have people, as I watched them, the people would be stopping on the beach saying, man, are you the mum? Aren't you freaking out? And I, I just remember just this feeling of, I completely trust Craig. Zion completely trusts his dad. And because of it, there's such joy in the middle of it. I remember God speaking to me so clearly, saying to me, Nadia, do you trust me in that way? Do you trust me to take you into those same waves that are out of your control? Do you trust me to take you into deep waters where you don't have, you can't touch the bottom and all you've got is to trust me? Because when you trust me that way, like Zion had, he would have such incredible joy because he could trust his dad because he knew the goodness of his dad. See, trust is built on a revelation of God's goodness to us. Do we have a revelation of God's goodness, the fact that He is good? It's such a common theme through Scripture. God wants us to know how good He is. 
James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. The enemy wants to deceive us like he did with Eve and say, you know what? God wants to withhold all good from you, but that's such a lie from the pit of hell. Our God is good. He's got good. Every good and perfect thing is from Him. Psalm 145 verse nine says, the Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all His works. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 34 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Praise Him for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. There is nothing that can separate us from His love. Sitting here, every single person needs to hear that today. Whatever you have done, whatever you're gonna do, whatever you're thinking, whatever you are contemplating, Your God loves every single part of you. His steadfast love never fails us. What joy there is in that. Naaman 1 verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in Him. Come on, when we choose to put our trust in Him, there's an allegiance that it builds with our God that He says, I can't help but intervene when they're trusting in me, when they put their trust in who I am. And you may, you know, hear these kind of passages, hear the Scripture and think, you know, well, I don't really know if I have that kind of understanding of the goodness of God. And I encourage you today, mate, God is so good. And it says this in Psalm 34, Verse eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. See, I've discovered the more that I become to know God, the more I discover His goodness. So if we're grappling with the goodness of God, it's simply an opportunity, an encouragement, a challenge to go deeper in the things of God. Because every time I go deeper in Him, I discover more of His goodness. Come on, draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. Taste and see that He is good. Try it out for yourself. Come on, that's what tasting means. When we first moved here, so many people would say to us, man, you gotta go try out Chin Chin's. You've got to try it for yourself. It is so good. Come on, you've got to try Bernetti's for dessert. It is so good. You've got to go for 400 gradi for pizza. You cannot go to Domino's. If you go to Domino's, we will kill you. Taste it. See that it is so good. Experience it for yourself. See, when anything is good, there is an expectation around it. Do we live with an expectation of experiencing God's goodness? Do we live with that anticipation? See, joy is an anticipation of the good that is to come. You think of kids on Christmas Day. Oh my gosh, they're peaking. They can't wait to get out of bed. They're in your room at five o'clock in the morning. Mom, can we open up presents? Mom, can we get into the good stuff? because they're expecting good things. Joy is the anticipation of the good that is to come. Come on, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, do we live with that kind of expectation? That childlike wonder, that childlike expectation of the good that is to come. And I wanna challenge us, you know, a lot of times it's easier to do the opposite. See, it's easier to anticipate the bad because of the world that we live in today. It's easier to anticipate the bad. 
But when we do that, it gets our internal state into where we open up our world to fear, open up our world to anxiety, open up our world to dread, to depression, because we're anticipating the bad. God never designed us to live like that. He designed us, though even the world throws stuff at us, I will still find joy. Everything God can turn for good for those who love Him. You may think, well, that just sounds wonderful and great. You know what? Jesus was the example that was set for us. It says that when He went to the cross, He experienced the brutalness of the cross, tortured beyond the point of human recognition. Scripture in Hebrews said he did it for the joy set before him. He anticipated joy in the middle of even the most hardest of situations. And when we do the same, in the middle of even our most heartbreaking crisis, there's an air. When we do that, it brings faith into our world and God meets us at our level of faith. Come on, it causes God to meet us at that level, to bring His goodness, to bring His hope, to turn things around for us. Do we have that expectation of joy? See, something that I've found in my life that builds the right anticipation, that builds that anticipation of joy is praise. Because I know what it's like to just allow that anticipation of the bad, of the hopelessness, just to get into your soul. And I've had to turn things around. And how do you do that? With praise. Because praise declares the goodness of who God is. Praise declares His power over our lives. Praise declares that even though I may be facing hardship right now, no, I'm gonna declare who my God is in the middle of it. You know what, it was the, first, the thing that God told me when we got the property notice about getting out of here in, in October 2020. Craig, we, we were sitting down, chilling out together. Craig said to me, hey babe, I don't want you to freak out, which he ended up doing because he's open with that kind of statement. But he said, you know, we just got notice today that, the, we're, that we have to get out of this facility and we were in the middle of lockdown, hadn't seen anyone for nine months and had to be out by March. And when you get news like that, Craig's amazing with his faith. He's like rock solid. I, I just know God said to me, this isn't the landlord kicking us out, but this is God opening the next door. But I, in my sense in that, so I had to get the God revelation for myself. And I remember God took me to this passage of Scripture where the blind man cries out to Jesus and it's the first time anyone has declared that He's the Messiah. And Jesus said, I want you to declare who I am in the middle of this. I want you to praise me for who I am. I want you to declare the goodness of, all, of who I am in the middle of the challenge, in the middle of God. Where are you in the middle of this? And as we do this, it brings God's presence, it brings God's power, and it brings the turnaround in our lives because praise positions us for the promise. So come on, are we praising? When times are tough, Come on, because praise brings the joy. See, I love what this says here. And the meaning of praise is to express one's respect and gratitude towards something. Gratitude brings, it brings joy. And that's what praise is. It brings His joy into our life, His gratitude into who we are. I pray this is connecting with our spirits today. There is such power in praise. So to anticipate joy, get our praise on. The second thing, we find joy in the ordinary because joy is the outcome of contentment. 
Joy is the outcome of contentment. Matthew 5 verse 5 says, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be brought. How awesome is that? There is such incredible contentment in being who we are, being happy in who we are, being secure in who we are, knowing that God has created us perfectly, wonderfully, that there's nothing more that needs to be added to our lives, nothing that needs to be taken, just so secure in who we are in our Saviour. But so often we are robbed of this contentment because of comparison. See, there's something in us as human beings that wants to look at what everyone else is doing around us, that compares ourselves, that critiques ourselves against everybody else. There's this sense in us, if they have it, then why can't I have it? This fear of missing out, this sense of wanting more. And again, going back to the gold rush stories that I found this week, another crazy story was about the amount of sailing ships that would be docked at the Californian Harbour. At one point, there was over 500 ships. And the reason for this is when ships arrived from other states, is the sailors would often as well get off the ships and go gold mining as well because they were so allured by everybody else doing it. And so these, shop, these ships would just be left to, to rot in the harbour or they would be turned into things like prisons or hotels, so many different things. But there was this incredible employment gap and sailors, because they would just all leave for the gold rush. The sense of, I'm following what everyone else is doing. But the irony of it all is that the huge majority of these sailors would have done better by staying at their posts, but they got caught up in what everyone else was doing. And how often do we do the same? Just so get caught up in life by what others are doing around us. And we can think, oh, you know, well, I don't really do that. But mate, the children of Israel, it was their biggest temptation. What are the other nations around us doing? Oh, they're worshipping other gods. They're worshipping idols. And so what did the children of Israel do? They turned from worshipping the God that had delivered them to this statue made by human hands. And in it, they lost their joy. They lost their freedom because they just went with what everyone else is doing. And again, we can think, well, I wouldn't do that. But we so easily do it. See, the idols of our day, it's wealth, success, popularity, beauty, living for self, all these things that we so get caught up in because everyone else is doing the same. And I think it's a challenge for us as Christians. Scripture over and over again says, do not compare yourselves with those who are following what is not right. And it can, I know what it's like. Look at somebody making all, you know, the choices in the world to follow what they wanna follow and it looks like they're living the good life. But there's something in you that's like, no, I'm choosing Jesus but we so easily get tempted because of what others are doing all around us. See, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4 says this powerful passage, and I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one's, one person's envy of one another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. How challenging is that? How easy is it for us to get on the treadmill of comparison? 
looking at friends around us that are chasing popularity, looking like they have it all on Instagram, all the likes, all the followers, and we're like, mate, that looks like the good life. Or we look at others around us that are chasing all these other things, wealth, a great job, and we look and we think, oh man, if I could just have that, then I would be happy, then I would be joyful. But I love the challenge that Jesus brings us. See, the, the writing in Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes, he says this in 1 verse 8, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. He's saying when we chase these things, we are never content. There's, a ne- there's always a sense of wanting more. I was reading my Nucky, uh, Nucky, Nicky Gumbel devotion this morning and he, um, he actually read this, this, devotion, this uh, quote sorry, from Dane Edma. And it says this, I've always wanted more. I've never had enough milk or money or socks or sex or holidays or first editions of solitude or or gramophone records or free meals or real friends or guiltless neckties or applause or unquestioning love or persimmons. Of course, I've always had more than my fair share of these commodities, but it's always filled me with a vague feeling of unfulfillment. Where was the rest? And that's from someone that has it all, the world would say but there's still something that is lacking. And Ecclesiastes is a powerful um, passage of the Bible to read around all this because the author struggles with all this. He looks at wealth and again, it's, we think it's either who wrote that was either King Solomon or someone very close to him that looked at his life. So King Solomon, he had everything. He had wealth, he had wisdom, he had all the wives that he wanted, he had everything. But at the end of all of this, struggling with all the meaningless of everything that he has, he said, is this in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So he's saying, guys, at the end of the day, chasing all this other stuff, it's not gonna lead us anywhere. What we need to live for is the audience of one. Pursuing Jesus, following Jesus, living in obedience to Him, because when we do that, it builds a meaning with our lives. We even see in the end of the book of John, the apostle Peter grappling with this. Jesus has just come to him, reinstated him to build his church. And Jesus says to him, I want you to follow me. So Peter starts to follow him. But in that moment, he looks and he sees John, the apostle John, also following him. So he turns to Jesus and he says, but what about him? And Jesus, I love this. He turns to him and he says, what is it to you? Get your eyes off what the other person's doing. Your eyes need to be about following me. Get your eyes off John and follow me. And I reckon so many times Jesus wants to say the same thing to us. Nadia, get your eyes off what others are doing around you. Get your eyes off what they're choosing and instead choose me. Follow me because in following me and choosing Jesus, I'm choosing life. I'm choosing to build my life with what truly matters. I'm choosing purpose. I'm choosing peace. I'm choosing joy. I'm not gonna get caught up in the treadmill of comparison because I'm choosing to follow Him. How amazing is our God? 
I love what Galatians 6 verse 4 says, but everyone must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, his attitudes and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction, the inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. How awesome is that? That there is a joy that comes in our lives when we know we're building how God wants us to build. That's why Next Steps is so powerful. That's why we offer it every single week. Find your place. Find what God has put on the inside of you. Find that purpose because there is nothing like that joy. If the team can come and join me, please. John 15, verse 9 to 11, Jesus speaking to his disciples, such a powerful passage piece of passage, and it says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How amazing is it? See, there is joy in obedience. There is a joy I've discovered in not doing what I wanna do, but doing what He wants me to do. Because when I do that, I experience His presence. I know that I'm walking with Him and there is nothing like the joy of walking with Jesus. I love the amazing story of my grandma. She was a remarkable lady. I shared it a few months back about how she was raped as just a young woman and had my dad as a result of that rape. And so she grew up just ostracized in society because single mums just were were not a thing back then. And so everyone just cast her aside, wouldn't have anything to do with her. But then she met Jesus and the church embraced her But her life, unfortunately, just tragedy after tragedy unfolded. She ended up marrying another man and having a child to him. That child was stillborn. And she had another child to him. That child was a Down syndrome little boy that completely had her heart. He unfortunately ended up passing away when he was just eight years old, but she devoted her life to him. She actually put her hip out. She permanently was put out because she just carried him on her hip for so many years. And then she ended up after that marrying somebody else. He too passed away. She just had thing after thing after thing happen in her life. But when I knew her as a young girl, all I knew of her was a woman with such joy. She just loved Jesus with everything. And when she passed away, She gave me her Bible. And the scripture on the opening page of her Bible that she'd written in was the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Everything she'd been through did not compare to the joy of knowing Jesus. And I wanna ask us today, Do we know that kind of joy? Do we live with that kind of joy? The joy that we can find in the most ordinary of circumstances because of the one that we have with us. And I'd love us just to take a moment right now, just to give every person a private moment. Because I wanna ask if there's anybody here today 
and you've never had the opportunity to know the joy, the wonder of having a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about joining a church today, but I'm talking about making the decision to open your heart to Him, to say, Jesus, I wanna do life with You. Jesus, I wanna follow You. Jesus, I wanna surrender who I am to You because I wanna know Your joy, the joy that comes from having eternity with Him, the joy that comes from being made right with Jesus. See, because Jesus came and died on the cross and then rose again, we can come to Him just as we are and He makes us right in Him. He's the one that makes us right. And there is an incredible joy when we experience His rightness or His righteousness. So if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I wanna make the decision today to open up my life to Jesus. Maybe you once did, but you know other things have got in the way and you're not living in personal connection with Him right now. Then I wanna invite you to open up your life, to open up your world to Him right now and to invite Him in through simply praying a prayer right where you're seated today. So if you wanna pray that prayer to invite Jesus into your life to have a personal connection with Him, right where you said, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven and say, that's me today, fantastic. That's me today. I wanna know Him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift those hands high right now. You're making that decision today for all those that are online. You can do it exactly where you are too, in your lounge, in your bedroom, in your car, wherever it is. Lift your hand to Jesus, say, hey, that's me today. Jesus, I wanna discover the wonder of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask you to be my God, to be my Lord. I'm sorry for how I've lived and I want a new start in you. I give you my life. I wanna know your joy, your peace and your presence. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, why don't we congratulate all those that made that decision today. So awesome. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.